KDAL's Master Gardener, Bob Olin. And away we go with the Bob Olin Show on the uh, 6th of December. Got snow coming down, got cold temperatures outside, and still we're talking gardening. Hi, Bob. <laughs> Good morning, Dave. Well, yes, it's iceberg lettuce and, and other things. <laughs> That's about it for us, huh? There you go. Well, we got to concentrate, I guess, on the indoor stuff nowadays. Well, we do, and, you know, we've talked a little bit about uh, houseplants, of course, and uh, they, they are uh, experiencing a resurgence in popularity. It's just a great program we got going with the St. Louis County Master Gardeners where they've actually been propagating a lot of houseplants and taking them out to assisted living facilities in uh, St. Louis County, and I work with them a little bit on lining some of these up. We have 140 facilities, and these are folks that... Uh, really can use a little bit of joy this time of year so they've been bringing house plants in and then working with their activity directors on maintenance and and other things so there's an educational component as well so uh kudos to them a great uh great project effort and uh they're going to be continuing into this uh next year but that being said uh gift plants holiday plants there's a lot associated with the uh with the holiday season mm-hmm. here of course and uh, we're very, very fortunate. We've talked about this, you know, uh, the Christmas tree or evergreen trees associated with Christmas goes back a long, long ways. And we're very fortunate because we have uh, native trees that are a part of this uh, this holiday period. Uh, so many trees that uh, are available to us. We kind of take some of that for granted. But we got long needle trees in our Norway pine, the state uh, tree, of course, in Minnesota, Norway, or red pine. Uh, two long needles and a fasco or a bundle uh, and this was of course a very popular christmas tree maybe 15 or 20 years ago uh they've diminished in their popularity now and we're looking at uh, short to medium uh, length needle trees uh, starting i guess with balsam and our firs other firs which have short needles the fraser fir gets an awful lot of attention but that is in fact uh not native to the area although we do have some crosses that certainly are native to this area or are being grown by our commercial christmas tree growers so we've got some of the firs and of course our charlie bond trees the balsam fir which is uh of course uh one of my favorites i'm uh, not real fussy about the tree but it has to be a living tree and it has to be green and it has to be fresh dave but so we've also got you know we got our white pine which are so magnificent, and those are still remain a very popular uh, cultivated Christmas tree species for us. So we really have uh, a great selection of materials that are available for us right in this immediate area, Dave. You know, it's got to be tough for the Christmas tree growers to figure out what's going to be popular in years to come because, you know, those crops take, what, three to four years before they can be sold. Uh, yeah, it is a challenge, and they take a lot more than three or four years. Really? They're just getting they're just getting started in three or four years. Wow! So they've got them planted, and they're just starting to uh, to do the annual uh, pruning mm. uh, maintenance, which is required of these. Most of these trees are minimum going to be eight years old, wow. eight to fifteen years is what we're really looking at. So they are a crop, but they're certainly not an annual crop. And people worry about using the native trees. I think for Everyone that gets harvested, they plant about three new trees, so they have a continuous supply uh, coming coming forward. So it is a little challenge. Uh, what if all of a sudden, uh, you know, the red pine or our long needle varieties became popular, and you didn't have sufficient supply? This is actually what has happened in in many cases. We shifted from uh, long needle varieties to some of our short needle varieties. White pine was extremely popular for a while, and they planted a lot of that, and then. And then the Frasers came on board, and you know you never know what exactly the the, uh, the national trends are going to be, and 
oftentimes this can be associated with uh, media one way or another nationwide and of course our growers try to scramble to meet uh, the demand that's uh, that's there locally as well Dave so you're right yeah. you gotta, you got to look ahead 10 years ahead <laughs> into the future if you're a Christmas tree grower yeah, and there's been kind of, uh, I don't know, back when I was growing up, we used to get real trees, but there used to be a trend of flocking the tree where you'd end up spraying it with uh, some kind of snowy-type material to make it all white or all blue or a different color. Yeah, we've had those those trends. That trend kind of died out, thank goodness. It has. <laughs> yeah, we we had actually had uh, some local folks who would flock it for you at one time, and yeah. that was a, a 10, 15 years ago. you pick out your tree and they'd flock it. But uh, that has kind of diminished. Uh, it, it's always kind of interesting where uh, now we're going back to, of course, we've got a lot of the artificial trees, which mm. uh, work for people as well. But... Uh, I think people are looking for things that are that are more natural now yeah. and more locally produced. It's one of the trends, so uh, we do have. And fortunately, people have got a lot of options here. I mentioned, uh, you know, the fact that uh, we've got Christmas tree growers in the area, and you certainly can can obtain them from our growers that spend a lot of time at the farmers market. Nice uh, displays there of some beautifully locally grown trees. Uh, we've got uh, other lots around, and then we've got. Uh, the option of even cutting your own in the national forest you need to get a permit uh, certainly so someone always owns that tree so you always want to investigate uh, whether it's on public or private land and oftentimes uh, private landowners we've got cut your own operations some of those where the trees have actually been pruned up when they go through the process of pruning this is what makes for a much denser full tree mm -hmm. and uh, that's what pruning brings us and we've got pick your own operations or, or cut your own really where they've been pruned and we've got cut your own where they're more native and uh, unpruned so that the spacing is going to be a little bit greater so a lot of different options for people in uh, in the immediate St. Louis County, Douglas County area that there are certainly uh, many many ways you can get a natural tree. Kind of a disturbing trend that I don't know if it's widespread or not, but I've heard of people cutting the tops off trees because the tops look good, but the bottoms aren't that great, and then what happens? Uh, can you regrow can't. the top, or does that just ruin the tree? Well, it ruins the shape of the tree, yeah. and uh, yeah, you really need to be permitted. Now, some of the spruce tops mm -hmm. are, uh, you know, you need to be a permit to uh, to actually cut them on, uh, right. on uh, certainly on public land, so and there has been, uh, yeah, that's a disturbing trend where the, some people have taken that uh, illegally. They've taken uh, some of the spruce drops. So we will got to be a little careful there. And uh, certainly if we want to get engaged in that, you want to follow up on some of the regulations and uh, get permitted in areas where that's permitted right, and let's, species uh, where that's permitted. Yeah. Let's head to the phones, Bob. we got a caller this morning. Hi, who's this? Hi, this is Jan. Go ahead, Jan. Hello, Jan. Um, hi. I have... Excuse me. I um, bought a curly cherry mint Rex begonia last summer, and uh, I wanted to save it over for the winter. And I brought it in, and it was it even had blossoms on it, which I know are kind of in you know not the best. But anyway, uh, I was wondering if I could overwinter that, or the leaves are starting to die down. Should I let that go down? And yeah, that's. That's going to be a little bit of a, a real challenge for you. I, I think that do the best you can. Try to keep it growing. 
Uh, it really, uh, you know, uh, most of those, the ones that you got there, probably don't have a root structure there. So you're going to have to find good light for it, and the southern exposure would be good. And then uh, just see if you can continue to keep it uh, keep it going. Very difficult time. You're going to drop leaves right now. Low light, and uh, any kind of a green uh, green plant's going to struggle, but particularly one like that, which is uh, really better suited for outdoor uh, growth. Okay. But they were beautiful. Was it nice for you during the growing season? Oh, it was just gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. The colors were just vibrant, and it was really, really pretty. Yeah, so that's why I thought some... I'd keep it if I could. Yeah, keep it as long as you possibly can. We've got some uh, some of the begonias, the nonstops, uh, which you're probably familiar with as well, are just uh, just magnificent, make for actual very beautiful, beautiful displays. But most of those are, are taken from cuttings. Or, or seed, and they're um, they're grown out in the greenhouses earlier, and they're treated really as an annual, more so than uh, trying to keep them over. But do what you can, and okay. get as much light as you can. Don't overwater because uh, you're not going to get a lot of active growth any time this time of year because of uh, low light. Okay, so this one does okay. not have a bulb, then, am I right? Yeah, I don't believe that one does. No. Oh, okay. Okay. All yeah. right. Thank you so much, Bob. Okay. Thank Thanks for you. the call. Appreciate it. Yeah, just get another one in the spring, I guess. If you That's can't keep really it over. the way to do it. Yeah. All right, Bob, we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. More of the Bob Olin Show here on KDAL. It is 929 already. Snow picking up a little bit now downtown. Duluth got a snow shower going on. Uh, if you want to make those Christmas trees last, the key, Bob, is to keep them watered. A lot of water. Uh, that- that's right. We we want to really start fresh. That's that's real key. Start fresh and got a natural tree. I always like to take another cut across the bottom. I like to put them in a five gallon pail of water, someplace where it's um, you know moderate temperatures, uh, obviously above freezing. But you want to let them pick up as much moisture as you can. If you can kind of let them drink all the moisture they want, then when you put them in the stand, you don't have to constantly worry about refilling that stand. But plenty of water, fresh tree, fresh cut. Uh, these are the keys. Uh, at one time, we used to take, say, take slanted cut across the bottom of the base. I uh, guess that's not quite as important now. I think the the big thing is just uh, making sure that you've got a good fresh cut across the bottom, and that the vascular tissue doesn't uh, doesn't seal off any day. But it's amazing. Even uh, some of our short uh, needle varieties. We talk about the uh, balsam fir, which. Some people in the area consider kind of a weed tree. It grows very quickly. It's not nearly as long-lived as as many of our other evergreens are. Uh, that one will typically drop needles if it isn't fresh. But if it is fresh, take that fresh cut. Uh, first you cut it fresh, and then you get in a good cut, plenty of moisture. And uh, they certainly will last even in a heated indoor environment uh, well through the Christmas season before they start to really shed their needles. So uh, freshness is right, and uh, we mentioned it before. There are so many additives. Uh, that was really trendy at one time, things you could add to your Christmas water, supposedly to increase uh, the uh, longevity of the tree through the holiday season. And there were the home remedies, everything from aspirin to carol syrup to bubble up was a big deal at one time. And uh, then there were the actual packaged materials that you could buy that supposedly would uh, add to the longevity of the tree. But uh, Michigan State University actually did did the work on that, and uh, they came back, and the uh, Christmas Tree Grower Association of Michigan, as well as Minnesota, did some work on that, and uh, everyone's come to the same conclusion. It's just plenty of uh, room temperature water. Let that tree pick up as much as it can. And that's about uh, the best you're going to do to maintain the freshness of a tree. But they'll last uh, certainly 
a month or longer without any problem without dropping the needles if you follow uh, fresh cut, uh, fresh tree, fresh cut, and plenty of water. That's the key, Dave. Uh, the neat thing, I guess, when the tree is ready to come out, they make these bags now that you can put around the tree and keep the needles from spreading all over the house as you drag the tree out the door. Yeah, they do that. Those are very neat. And, and those, that's a good idea. And oftentimes some of the uh, the vendors that will provide mm-hmm. those for you as well. So oh, you've cool. got that. And then, of course, uh, we're very fortunate in our area. We've got Christmas tree disposal and pickup areas. You can look for those uh, locations and announcements after season, and they get recycled completely. go down to our sanitary district where they they certainly grind them up, chop them up, and they become part of the garden greed compost product. So uh, we we go full cycle here, and you don't have to be concerned about uh, where your fresh tree is going to go. It's going to go back into the earth and grow more fresh trees. So there you go, Dave. Or you can be like Bob and put it out in the snow with a string of popcorn and let the birds at it. Uh, I like to really extend yeah. the use of my trees. I, I really do. And uh, they're beautiful. It's one of my favorite, quote-unquote, indoor houseplants <laughs> during, the, during the Christmas season. Lights are a little low. We've all got to struggle a little bit with the season. And, uh, you know, it's a time like the plants outside for people to just take a little break. We'll be talking more about the... Uh, the vegetable season, other growing materials coming up, but we've got a nice holiday to uh, enjoy in the meantime here, Dave. Now, you mentioned, I guess it's kind of a, a downtime for indoor plants, too, because of the light situation, among other things, but I know I've got a couple of plants at home that'll drop leaves like crazy all winter long, and they're just fine during the summer, so I assume that's that's the deal. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely the case. It's very, very low light, and uh, you just want to go into maintenance our previous mm-hmm. caller there that had what i assume was a fibrous rooted begonia right. dropping its leaves you know they that many many of the old time begonias certainly do have bulbs she might want to look into that and see if see if in fact uh she's got a tuber underneath there but uh-huh. I, I wasn't really sure uh it sounded like she had one of the newer fibrous uh rooted varieties but all these plants are going to start to uh drop some of their leaves and this time of year we don't want to overwater we don't want to fertilize we mm-hmm. just want them to kind of sit there rest a bit suspended animation and then uh, the key of course is light light drives all green plants and mm-hmm. we got a few more dark days until the 21st of december that's actually one of my favorite days because then i know the days are going to get a little bit longer <laughs> and we're not too far away from that uh, that key anyway dave plants are like bears they gotta hibernate for a while in the winter time eh well, they do a little bit. I, I tell the story. I had a good uh, commercial friend, a blueberry grower in Michigan, a major commercial operation. He loved growing berries and a uh, big family tradition. And He kind of missed the uh, the winter months, and so he actually bought property and established a farm in South America down in Chile. Wow. And uh, so he could grow year-round. That's how much he loved the plants. And all of a sudden, uh, he came back to Michigan and I asked him, uh, what was that about? He said, I realized the necessity to take a, l- a few months off it. It was very taxing for him to run <laughs> 12 months out of the year. So he said, I need a little downtime, just like my plants need a little downtime. <laughs> so right. I uh, I thought about that a little bit, and maybe this is a time when we all have to just uh, enjoy the season, relax a little bit if you can, and same thing for your plants. And there you go. Let's go back to the phones. Hi, who's this? Uh, this is Ruby from Hi, the Ruby. Heights. Hi. Um, my question is regarding birch trees. Uh, Bob, on the east side of the county extension office building down there above uh, Rice Lake Road, there are maybe five or six river birches actually used in a foundation planting. 
Is that a miniature variety, or are they pruned to give them that lovely bushy crown? Oh, I, I think this is a cultivar that was selected there. Okay. Uh, and uh, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know the specific cultivar that was put in uh, several years ago by a contractor, and I'm not sure exactly what cultivar was uh, was utilized there. But uh, uh, they have retained uh, some nice compact form. And, but the river birch, you're very knowledgeable. It's, I think it's an underutilized species for us in this area because they are good and hardy in most locations. And uh, they don't tend to grow uh, as the white birch and, of course, our yellow birch, if you're familiar with them. They're probably the largest tree that we have. And I don't know that we've got good. Uh, we've got some diminutive forms of the uh, of the paper birch, but river birch uh, just naturally grows a little bit smaller in terms of stature as well. So uh, cultivated variety, but I'm, I'm afraid I can't tell you what specifically was planted there, but it's something worth uh, investigating. Okay, then uh, the second part to my question is, I have a couple of comp uh, birches. They are the white spire birch, one of the non-exfoliating um, birch. Uh, they are still very young. The bark has not yet turned white. Can I prune them very selectively, maybe just two inches here or there, just to kind of fill them out a bit more, or would you totally not advise that for um, the white spire birch? Yeah, you know, I think you could. I think as long as you were not overly aggressive, mm-hmm. and, you know, as as you mentioned, uh, they, uh, they're still, as most of our birch start out, Without the white color, without the white bark, that, of course, is a more mature bark that begins to slough off a little later. Um, I, I think uh, you'd want to do that. You could do that now, actually, but it, I always prefer that kind of pruning just a little bit later in the uh, later in the winter. You don't want to get too aggressive. They're young trees. So, you know, we're going to lose some sap, of course. So um, just be very selective in your pruning process and uh, pick out one or two branches uh, and uh, prune back, of course, to a, to a main stem. I, I would think if you've got uh, situations where you've got some branches that might be crossing, might be rubbing one way or another, I think uh, one, taking one of those out would be a good idea. Uh, if you want to keep it compact, you could, of course, prune uh, the, the lead stem, but I, I'm kind of reluctant to do that. Uh, this is a cultivar where uh, you want it to, to assume that uh, pyramidal form for you, so I don't think I'd be trying to prune it back that way. I think I'd be very selective in a, a branch or two, and I would probably wait until just the snow is beginning to melt down prior to bud break and make your pruning at that time. Okay, so if I wait until um, March, maybe early April, would I have less um, less sap bleeding out of the cut? Uh, you're going to have probably more sap. You're not going to get much sap right now, but you're going to get faster healing on the, on those cuts because you're going to get active growth. Uh, immediately coming into the year. So you'll get some sap that'll run, but not on a smaller tree like that, not a great deal. Okay. But uh, the advantage of pruning at that time is uh, we're going to get some active growth on this, uh, we call that meristematic tissue. That's a tissue that will heal this, these cuts eventually. So you, 
you want that to grow over and heal the wounds as soon as you can. You cut them now, and there isn't a lot of risk, but uh, no healing is going to occur at this mm-hmm. time uh, because uh, there isn't going to be any active growth at this time. But, uh, you know, there there isn't a lot of rot. Rot is what we always get concerned about because you're cutting into uh, tissue, that interior tissue that doesn't have a lot of active growth. We don't allow the water sitting there. So as you take these cuts, always cut it as slant so that uh, you get that water to run off. And uh, typically, if you're not over pruning, that tree can certainly tolerate uh, some of that weeping that occurs, but you're going to get that active growth at that time to heal up those areas where you cut. Okay. Thank you very much, Bob. Okay. Thank you. You're very knowledgeable about the the birch group. I I do think that... uh, you know, you're wise. I think it's an underutilized species. We've got some nice river birch. We've got the many that are, you know, you mentioned exfoliating where the, uh, the the bark is very, very attractive. And people just think of our native paper birch, but we certainly do have a number of uh, both yellow and uh, river birch. River birch in particular, I think, are extremely attractive in terms of the bark. And we've got more cultivars that are available there as well in the trade. So a good species to look at. Thank you very much for the call. All right, we'll take another break, Bob. Be right back. It is 940, the Bob Olin Show on KDAL. And we're back, more of the Bob Olin Show. And, uh, Bob, besides the Christmas tree, lots of other Christmas-type plants to uh, choose from out there. Well, we do. We've got a variety for sure. And we talked a little bit about our one of our favorites, the Christmas cactus. goes yep. back long, long ways. Uh, plenty of those available uh, for folks to make, as I mentioned, uh, wonderful gifts. You go into a house party. I don't know of anyone that's ever been disappointed if you bought them a, a nice Christmas cactus or, or perhaps even a Thanksgiving cactus. They kind of mix the two a little bit. Uh, different species slightly, but uh, same general idea. Or a poinsettia for certain. Amaryllis balls, one of my favorite things to, to give away. And uh, But we've got others. You know, we've got the uh, mistletoe, which I get a lot of questions mm. from people. That's a very, very interesting plant. And you know, a, a lot of these... Uh, a lot of these plants go back a long, long ways in their association with, with Christmas. The Christmas tree itself, of course, came out of Germany, and that was Martin Luther about, I think that was about the uh, mid-1500s, and wow. he is credited for putting candles, a practice that we don't advise right no, now, no. but putting <laughs> putting candle trees on some of the, their native evergreens uh, during the, uh, the Christmas season. So that came out of Germany. And uh, a long, long time ago, and about the same time, this tradition of mistletoe and kissing under the mistletoe came about at that time as well. Uh, mistletoe, very interesting plant. You know, Dave, that's uh, uh, that's what we call a semi-parasitic plant. Parasites, of course, are a plant that don't produce their own food. Uh, they have to live off something, another living plant, a green plant that is producing the food. Uh, mistletoe is kind of interesting. Some of them have green leaves, some of them don't. But nonetheless, uh, they're they're very intriguing plants. We've got uh, a few that are native in this area, but they're relatively minor. Uh, most of our, uh, a lot of these plants are going to come in from the Pacific Northwest and so forth. This is the the typical mistletoe, which has the white berries and uh, the green leaves. So they have green leaves, so they do produce some of their own uh, sugars, but most of these get attached to uh to another tree and they've got very specialized root system that actually works its way through the bark and it gets into that uh, that uh, layer uh, right inside the bark, the phloem tissue with, that's actually carrying uh, sugars from the green leaves of the tree, this is the host tree now, 
carrying it uh, down into the root system. And uh, so it's actually living off this other tree. So these can be kind of uh, parasit semi-parasites. Uh, they've got uh, some green tissue there, but they're mainly living on that host plant. So uh, they can be detrimental to the host plant. Uh, sometimes if we get a lot of mistletoe on the tree, they'll actually kill the plant. No. But for the most part, uh, they're certainly uh, plants will tolerate these. So we've got the mistletoe. We've got the tradition. It goes back a long, long way. And uh, certainly part of the uh, part of the holiday season. You know, another one, Dave, that we've got is holly, and we'll get this question all oh. the time: Do people uh, do we have our native hollies? Well, we've got what we call winterberry, which is a holly, and uh, they're uh, a, a shrub which produces uh, not the green leaves during the winter months; those get dropped. But we've got the red berries that are associated with the shrub. Oh. We, we call them winterberry, and actually they're well adapted to our lower swampy areas. And while drive throughout St. Louis County, and we've got a lot of peatland, a lot of lower areas, and if you just look to the side of the road, some of the ditches, uh, you'll see these bright red berries. So this is our winter holly. That would be our native holly or our winter berry, we call it typically. What people associate it with the hollies are more the American holly, which has the green leaves, it retains those during the winter months and has the big bright red berries. And uh, these really are not native uh, to this area. Native to area is a little bit farther south, uh, certainly south of uh, Chicago, Illinois, where we begin to see some of the American holly with the sharp pointed leaves, the green leaves that are retained. So those are not native, but we do have our winter berry. and. Uh, those certainly many people will harvest and bring them inside. As a matter of fact, I've done that uh, mm -hmm. in my own situation. I always like to bring in a little winter berry that adds some uh, some red color as well. Those, again, are brought in uh, typically from outside of the area and harvested uh, considerably farther south. So uh, a lot of these plants that are associated uh, with the holiday season uh, are, are very unique. Uh, we have some that are... Uh, uh, close to what uh, what people consider to be holiday plants that are grown natively. Most come in from outside Pacific Northwest, or in the case of uh, of a lot of our uh, our uh, our mistletoe comes in from uh, Texas and the very adaptable species Texas and Oklahoma, and a lot of them are brought in from that part of the United States. But most of them are domestic. You know, everything's kind of coming home. It's interesting uh, with the disruptions and some of the world trade. Uh, a lot of these species, which are grow throughout the world, are actually coming back home. So that's a, that's a very interesting phenomenon that we've got going on right now as well, Dave. Yeah, it seems anything red and green, I guess, would be associated with Christmas time. So there you go. Well, that's right. We've got all the green, which is associated mm -hmm. with life this time of year. You can imagine, take yourself back into the Druid era <laughs> when uh, the days kept getting shorter and shorter, and you wonder if this is going to end, are we going to survive? And, of course, didn't know too much about the solar system, didn't know for sure that the days were going to get longer. So there was uh, quite a bit of concern. And the one thing that certainly was associated with life was the green evergreen. So they've been associated certainly with uh, a lot of our winter traditions for a very, very long time, Dave. Yeah, we can uh, pretty much assure that we're going to get spring at some point. So don't I no, think we are. Like no we need say, for sacrifices all, all of any are. sort uh, this winter. That's right. We don't have to be concerned about that. Uh, the sun is going to shine again, and uh, we can be uh, confident of that. Yay. That's one good, one good thing about the knowledge we've got uh, in the time in which we live. Spring will come again. All right, Bob, we'll take another break, and we'll be back with more of the Bob Olin Show in just minutes. 
And we're back with the Bob Olin Show. Bob, the snow continues, starting to accumulate a little bit now on the road, so uh, be careful if you're out driving around. I'm not sure how long this will last, but uh, there's a pretty good snow showers falling in the Twin Ports now. Coming coming down right yeah. now and, uh, you know, puts us into the spirit of the season. There you and, go. And, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I was listening to one of your ads where they suggested we round up one of the utilities there, round up your bill to just help our neighbors, and I do think that's a part of the Minnesota tradition. we got to take a little look at that and uh, being good to your neighbors. Uh, I mentioned, uh, you know, I love to give houseplants. They're not that expensive, particularly from some of the some of the big box stores and if you think you got a, a neighbor or shut in you can imagine most of us that are out and about and all of our holiday activities uh, <laughs> we kind of handle this situation a little differently we've got plenty of things to do to keep our mind occupied but we've got neighbors that are maybe a little elderly folks that could use a little bit of uh, cheer in their lives so uh, bringing a, a plant would be really a nice thought and just a rather unexpected contribution but there's so many Wonderful things, even with, uh, you know, the struggles in the world, I guess uh, the world events remind us always how fortunate we are. You know, it's kind of interesting. Food prices have gone up, fuel prices have gone up. But as I, years ago, I was reminded by a friend who had spent some time actually in European countries. He said, what you forget is, uh, yes, the price of everything is a little higher, but it's always there. And we've had some right. supply chain interruptions where that wasn't always the case just over the last year or so. But... For the most part, things are there. They might be a little bit more expensive. He says you got to appreciate that other societies, it's just not there necessarily. So we've got all that good stuff going. People are generous. Uh, give a plant to a friend. Uh, we've talked a little bit about so many of the ideas we have for gardeners. Now, you've got a gardener somewhere in your family or in your neighborhood for sure because it is the number one activity out there, number one hobby in the country. And we're very fortunate we come from an agricultural tradition here in the Midwest. So people have ties back to the farm, family farm, or one thing or another, and uh, we've got even more gardeners in the Minnesota and Wisconsin than we do even nationwide. So uh, lots of different things you can do for folks. Uh, you can certainly like, think of the gift certificates. We have nice questions about some of the birch cultivars today. Uh, go to some of your little nurseries. I'm sure they've got uh, gift certificates and uh, not going to be planning now, but certainly next spring. And actually, we may want to shop early. What we saw last year, again, was a shortage of uh, apple trees in particular were quite short. So get a nice good gift certificate for an apple tree one way or another uh, for someone on your gift list. I know that would be appreciated. I mentioned tools, and that sounds, maybe that's a guy thing, but quality tools. <laughs> uh, uh, I was just putting a lot of my tools away, and I, I tend to wear them out, tend to go through them, uh, tend to break handles and other things. So I'm a I'm a big advocate, uh, spend a little bit more. And sometimes you might not spend this on yourself. So as a gift, uh, buy a quality tool. I like wood handles. I don't like any of the uh, the fiberglass handles that have become so commonplace because it seems like I, I uh, bust them apart, run over <laughs> them with a truck or something, and uh, I've got a number of shattered handles. So I've gone back to the good, solid hardwood uh, handles, uh, good quality tools, and uh, you can certainly give someone like that or give them a, a gift certificate for some of these things. Uh, we're going to be talking soon about uh, the veggies, all the new veggies coming oh, up, yeah. new varieties, and uh, even uh, the catalogs are beginning to come in. I've seen people that have actually uh, uh, given a, a group of uh, very colorful catalogs over the holidays with a uh, uh, certificate for uh, seed purchases so people get a little creative for the gardeners uh, certainly in the group's gloves I think of that they're always valuable we tend to lose those 
uh, gloves, hand tools. There are baskets for carrying the produce. Uh, there are these uh, nice little mobile um, uh, stands that you can sit on, and uh, there are buddy buckets for your, your tools and other things. There are so many different uh, gifts out there that are available for the gardeners. So uh, just a few ideas for folks as well as the living plants, which, in my opinion, make some of the, the very nicest gifts you can give out there. Bob, we got to so run, Dave, but uh, uh, we'll be back again next Tuesday, right? We will for sure, Dave, and I want to wish everyone be safe out there. Enjoy the season for sure. There you go. We'll check weather. That'll be coming up, too. The Bob Olin Show returns next Tuesday here on KDAL. Uh, sorry we had one more caller to try and sneak in, but we just ran out of time. So call again next week. Bob will be happy to answer your question then. The Bob Olin Show has been brought to you by Dan's Garden Center. Located in Dan's Feedback in Superior. And by WLSSD's Garden Green. Compost you'll dig.